Hey guys, this is another episode of Learnings where I take notes and add my commentary on multiple hours of YouTube videos that I watch just for the sake of self-education. I, offer co I often cover two or three interviews, seminars, etc. under the ideas of giving, getting, and the future where the two inevitably meet one another. I liked starting with some sort of a weekly review. This last week I fucking finished a solo track. It's going to be on my fifth studio EP, which I will follow, which will follow my Samsara EP I dropped on the first day of spring. This new EP will be much more emotional than my other ones. I noticed my first two EPs, Abundance and Scarcity, were both rather, uh, you know, cerebral. My next two, Nirvana and Samsara, were more focused on the connection between the brain and the heart. Those only served to me as a transition into creating music from the heart. I know a lot of people like when I write from my heart. I think so deeply about things, I'm quick on my decisions and slow about changing them. That's kind of why I'm not, I'm not quick to do that. Nonetheless, I'm flex, I try to be flexible. I'm, I'm always pondering. I've been putting out tons of content on YouTube. Most of them are just my beats and good news for my listeners on here my insights which can be found on my anchor as well statements my anchor station as well the only difference on youtube is you can see my beautiful face explaining these principles and ideas in 4k quality because my new dope ass camera i started writing out plans for every three weeks to add new habits to my current set which is uh becoming rather complex i based my whole system on the idea in a book called the compound effect by darren hardy which changed my life more than most books i've listened to all year i picked it up about eight months ago i've been networking quite a bit on instagram as well as call calling people if people if anyone wants to talk just text me by the way at 484-866-5069 and we'll set up a time to talk about how you got to where you are what your goals are and how to make them happen again 484-866-5069 so let's get to this Video number one is actors give on advice on diet and exercise. It's from some, I think, Russian guy. I don't know. His name is his name is Radoslav Dekhshev. I think he's Russian. I don't know. But it looks like he compiled a bunch of clips from interviews with famous, I think, just male actors and put them together into one big thing. I think that's okay. I'm not part of this whole fitness CrossFit build, bodybuilding community or anything. I do work out every morning, but it's not some crazy lift my weight seven times routine with an extreme name that's a combination of one or two numbers or more and letters that are very intense like... 10 px 90 20 t by 12 fucking invincible power it's but it seems like the male and female sections of the community are their own entities and that's cool so many fucking couples getting together this is what i really see on instagram and uh, you know they're they're working out inspiring people i know there are lots of self-doubting thoughts some people see it they're like i'll never be at that level bro that's just because you think that nobody uh, nobody worked really hard saying i'll never get at that level and actually got to that level if somebody's where you want to be i don't know about you but even when i'm jealous as fuck i will channel that negative energy and i'm like yo i gotta know like do you have any specific tips on like what you're doing that's getting you those results i'm extremely impressed and i'd love to pick your brain a little regarding this what major people do you look up to what programs made you think and act differently about this just asking this will push your comfort zone to new places even if you're not genuinely interested you are you just don't know it because you're interested in anything as long as it's part of achieving your goals shout out to all my friends on instagram by the way my fans and supporters and everything who do fitness and stuff i love you guys you guys are awesome I don't know who these actors are. Well, most of them. There's a there's a list though. Ben Affleck, Chris Evans, Christian Bale, Chris Pratt, Chris Hem lots of Chris's. Uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Gerard Butler, Henry Cavill, Cable. I don't, I don't know. Hugh Jackman, Jake Guile and Hale Howe, uh, Mark <laughs> Wahlberg, Michael B. Jordan. I don't know. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, Sylvester Stallone, and Jack Ek for Efron. Okay, maybe not all of them, but there are a handful I'm kind of familiar with. I'm not a movie or show guy. A lot of this shit apparently is about eating lots of protein, tons and tons of protein. Nothing 
nothing fun, no alcohol, sugar, and I may be wrong, but it seems like this is a specific diet, like the type where you have to lose uh, like 30 pounds for a particular, particular movie or part, and you need to gain muscle in this area and that area because that's what they expect of the character they chose for you to play. I don't know. Zac Efron says the hardest part for him was physically eating, like like just cooked, just cooked chicken with no seasoning or anything. You have to eat lots and lots of hard calories. He couldn't even chew all the chicken. He just put it in a blender and drank it. It's weird. <laughs> a guy who played Superman, one of these one of these actors was eating a lot of burgers. A lot of this is about consistency, apparently, like arduous consistency. Uh, Fallon was like, "What do you do for cardio?" The guy was like, he paused and he was like, "Um, I run." <laughs> these these people eat like really healthy. It's not easy. It seems difficult as fuck, but I mean, they are humans and you are too. If you have one arm, it's still possible. A lot of people who are missing a limb or two or three just end up lifting weights or something. And these people are a reason that absolutely no physical handicap is an excuse for someone not to work out. Zac Efron said that there are these things in these things infos they uh, i forget what it's what they're called they put they put 60,000 60 they put 6,000 calories just in a in containers one of these guys just wakes up at 2 a.m just to eat a meal if you guys if you drink three gallons of water a day and you stop i don't know i don't know how long how many days you have to do it before but for but you stop 36 hours before you shoot you have all this energy from all the water you drank and it helps a ton i mean i think you get close to drowning and dying but uh, from that but you lose like 10 pounds of water weight in the process when you <laughs> are always working out it's like you always don't feel you don't always feel in shape. Sylvester Stallone says a lot of it is your diet. Uh, I just keep hearing it's about both and balancing them, but I don't really know. Mark Wahlberg said his favorite food was chicken. Like he was eating so much fucking rotisserie chicken. It's like as soon as soon as he immediately just associated that with pleasure. It's crazy. But the Rock starts talking about gym etiquette. I know he's literally huge on this stuff. I mean, he was in WWE, and those uh, those guys. I don't know. Some of them might not be like legitimate wrestlers, maybe. But I don't know. But if you but if you, you you can't deny that whether or not it's steroids, many of them are fucking huge. If you have to be on camera and look like a straight up superhero, that's not really a choice. The Rock says lots of people think carbs are terrible, but it's just about which ones you pay attention to. Apparently, the good carbs are your friends here. Uh, this trainer guy who put the video together seems like the, seems to be really big on the guy who played the Wolverine. At four in the morning, The Rock wakes up <laughs> and he takes a shot or two of caffeine. Then forty around four forty-five, he starts doing cardio. Lots of carbs, fats, proteins, and greens. I just pay attention to this stuff so without sacrificing too much time, I want to eat and treat myself as healthy as possible with the you know with this workout diet shit. I eat two meals a day, usually vegetables and rice. It's always the same type of shit. It's in the blue, this blue bag I get from Giant called Bird's Eye. I've heard microwave murals are not that good for you. I don't know what the quickest way is to make something on the stove, so that's why I'm so hesitant to do it. It takes so much more time, and time is the most important asset here. I'm trying to weigh out my options and everything. I also eat peanut butter when I'm hungry otherwise. One of these guys never, never had the directors say, you gotta do it, you gotta do this. He just told himself to do it. The guy who played the Spartan in 300 was at some point working with two trainers and training four hours a day in the gym. <laughs> I think we were like three months straight where he did that. The Rock started training when since when he was 14. Arnold Schwarzenegger was a, he was a really big role model for him. I got his bio. Uh, I got his bio, his auto bio. I'm really excited to listen to it. A lot of these guys seem to do a form of intermittent fasting. I was very very intermittent intermittent fasting when I got my first job. 
I decided to eat small snacks like beef jerky and peanuts when I was hungry, but otherwise I would wake up and eat like three eggs, a bunch of chicken nuggets and shit. I'd eat fruit. I know it could have been more extreme than that, but I was working out every single night after work as soon as I got home. I think I, I, I think I have better I have better abs now than I did then, but I was definitely, aside from that, in the best shape of my life. I'm now progressing toward that, but I eat so much peanut butter and honey, not meat. I think that's why I'm slacking in that department. There's just a lot of fat I guess I refuse to get rid of, uh, which is my my fault fitness confessions of a self-produced artist it's a real struggle out here guys but i i i i, I can do it <laughs> Video 2 is the Grant Cardone London Real interview. Grant Cardone is one of my biggest role models. I work for a company that owns, I don't know my, how many properties, commercial, residential, probably like 500, 600 in Westchester, PA. Grant Cardone has a, a big apartments and properties in Florida, literally 10 times that many. And he did it in like 25 years. That's not including his other seven or eight companies he's working on. This dude is an animal. A lot of people listen to me talk and they're like, dude, you're like the next Gary Vee. I want to surpass him. I have tons of fucking respect for him and look up to him, but I want to far surpass all my role models and mentors. Grant Cardone is like a less accessible millennial magnet of a CEO. I think the people Gary Vee should be worried about are his biggest, are his most quiet supporters. But I know that he'll be happy for them when they surpass him. He's just a genuine competitor like that. But he's the biggest fish in a pond that's growing because of his sphere of influence around it. I just like to study from afar as I build my empire. I can't do one of those things without doing the other unless I want to stay like a bitch like so many other people are doing. There's the whole inspirational intro and he's a New York Times bestseller, marketing influencer on Twitter and Snapchat, number one sales training expert in the world, etc. He had just gotten back from London and being a proper gentleman is a huge thing there, but that's a problem for him because he's pretty much a serious type A personality. I'm also like this, it's not consistent, I don't think it's natural, but it happens. Like here, I went into the office I work for. The boss was like, here, Sam, go to shop right there having a sale. Go buy me four air conditioners. I'm like, okay, I need a card and a number and all that. He gave it to me and I went outside in this 8,000 degree weather. The sun is literally 13 feet in the air above my beautiful ginger hair, which is going to be cut very soon. I went to my car, turned, all, <laughs> turned out the battery was dead. I went back into the office. I was like, guys, my battery died. What the fuck do I do? This never happened. Do I need to go get a new one? They were like, have someone jump in. And I'm like, okay. The boss was like, I will have someone else do it. Within 30 minutes, I was behind the office. I called the boss i was like here i need the card and jumpers in case shit gets fucked i gotta go to i'll go to shop right right now this was at 1 p.m there was traffic everywhere and on the way i got back in 40 minutes i timed it i went into shop right and had to ask three people hey do you guys have air conditioners i was like almost running from out of the aisle i found the air conditioners in the front of the checkouts i raised my voice i was like who can take me i need four of these they were like four i was like yes four they were like air conditioners i was like yeah i need them now someone checked me out and put them in all carts put them in two carts and ran the carts to my car. I was scared at first. I was like, what if my car doesn't start up again right after? But fuck it. His dad died when he was 10. And without that direction, he missed that mentor. Like his mom was scared all the time. How we were, how do we, you know, like how to figure things out for people who have never been to Louisiana. Apparently it's a small town with lots of mosquitoes, roaches, lots of fear the whole time. Economic fear. All the people were going to take advantage of you. The plumbers, the lawyers, the doctors, that, that paycheck to paycheck shit, by the way, is, is not just there. It's all over America. 76% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. In these movies and shit where all of us are rich, it's bullshit. Most people are honestly like scared of money in a way. They're so tied to it, they never even want to talk about it. Some guy asked me the other day how much I've made with my music. I'm like, that's so fucking rude. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Then I thought about it and I looked at the numbers in total. I've probably made like 30 off my music, $30 in general. <laughs> but my production just this year in seven months, easily 
just about $2,000. And that fucking blows my mind. That's unbelievable to me. I made more beat sales this year than any other year. And this seems to be taking off one way or another. My analytics on YouTube are growing exponentially. And that's because as long as I'm consistent with my content, it's compounding, it's multiplying. As people see in one video, they start binging. There's more shit to see always. His dad wanted to legitimately be wealthy and take control over his own life. And Grant says there's a degree to which that probably influenced his drive and aim to do something similar. He wasn't selling shit when he was 13 or anything. No flowers, baseball cards, lemonade. The biggest problem in his opinion is in society is boredom. People get bored and become problematic. So he started smoking weed at 16. He knew when he picked up when he picked it up, it wasn't a good idea. Next thing, you know, he was totally into drugs. This was before the opiate epidemic, obviously, by the way. He he was doing anything that would fill up his boredom. Some people have diseases because now everyone has a disease they like testing everyone it's all about money and bullshit like 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 that's that that it's all under a, a scope of okay what can we do to diagnose this person with so we can put them on these medications and this is all a generalization like not all doctors are like this i got a boss ass psychiatrist she knows i knows that sh she knows i know that she knows what i take and i'm not letting it fuck me up if you do drugs enough he says it doesn't matter what your dna is you go into a casino enough times you become addicted it's the same thing it's the same thing with games drugs are one thing the degree of the person taking them is another. He said that by 19, he was as close to zero as it could get. There were lots of rock bottoms for him. His nose is, was damaged on the inside. His brother died 10 years after his dad did when he was 10 years old. Dad, Kennedy died after. He's a fucking young kid. There's grief in the nation. The whole world, like, you know, the, the whole world, you feel the events happening. They're being re-stimulated and, and they're mounting on top of each other. If you punch anything long enough, you change things. You learn to punch back. The wall will break and that's just how shit works. It wasn't pain-driven exactly, by the way. The person he is today was always there. Coming out the treatment center, they, tie, they tried to get rid of the drug addict in him, and they think he's the problem. The drugs and boredom, those were the problem. People become excuse-giving consumers when they're like that. You want that drug addict because he's an addict. You just want him off the drug. You want him off drugs and on a higher light, a higher place of lifestyle and thought. They were, there were gangsters, physical harm and shit when he was 23. He couldn't stop. Two years go by, his mom was trying to run a little business he walked in one night and he was fucked up and she was like i'm done leave my house i'm never I, I hope i never see you again if you're the mother you know before they know uh at least 10 times a day he tried to quit for nine years straight he'd be like i quit and start five minutes later he says treatment centers you know like despite the intention add to the problem they just try to turn you into a different kind of drug addict this makes a lot of sense the guy at the center was like you'll never make it if you hold on to the ideas of being rich, famous, writing books, he kept hearing from people who didn't recover. He threw his addiction into work. Like, what's wrong with that? What else are you going to throw it into? Your ADD, ADHD, BPD, MDNOS, PDSD, MPD, OCD. Where's the test? The height and weight are, and everything, those are straight numbers. The diagnostics, especially in the newer manuals, when I, like, those are so, those are so fucking subjective. When I was in, in treatment for depression and anxiety, Anxiety, I was like, this manual is fucked up as fuck. It makes no fucking sense. It's fucking counterintuitive. The issue with these diagnoses is that they are inconclusive. Like, you still need a plan. Even if you come up with a plan, a lot of the time, those are inconclusive. People with depression and AD, and they have so much data to draw from that they can't use that. Like, fuck you. People with depression and ADHD, I don't know about other ones, but for me, I was also diagnosed with Asperger's. I went my whole 11th grade year thinking... 
I went that whole year thinking I physically can't be social. This whole last year, that fear haunted me again and it crept up on me until one point I was like, this, dude, shut the fuck up. This is not self-sabotage. I have hot buttons. I have extremely deadly, fucking powerful, amazing passions. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to use the future, though, to fight against the past. I will fucking win and bloom and blossom and spread my wings because I'm not using, I'm not just build, I'm just not building my audience and influence the way other artists are. I'm trying to do it in a genuine way that's only going to get more genuine over time. It only benefits drug companies to have that big book. A mentor can help you, by the way, but also limit you. Everyone's got like one or two many, in his opinion. The mentor's like, you replace your one addiction with another. The, the mentor did the meetings like three times a day when he was doing sales, when Grant was doing sales. Grant was like, that's nothing. I want more. And he always loved work because it's like a God-given gift. He's seen the four-hour work week. It tries to like engineer you out of doing something big. That's why I see these things like, do you want to build a passive income? Like, are you fucking blind? It takes three seconds to look at my profile and see the beat videos i'm kind of doing that i'm focusing when i got enough it's like the flywheel i'm going to be using it to fund my career as an artist when i get enough from both i'm going to use them to fund something bigger and bigger and eventually i'll be at a higher scale but i'm as adhd as i could get according to the diagnostic manual however i've been taking adderall for five or six years now and i'm more focused sharp and disciplined than ever because since i discovered self-development i've become this california redwood tree Right? I've become this California redwood tree that's like, look guys, I'm gonna be a fucking bigger than all of you every now and then. And they're like, nah, bro. And I'm like, and I become the I'm, I become the biggest tree in the forest after five or ten years. I stay humble the whole time. I just say that I'm gonna do this thing every now and then. But I put, fo I put that focus into the work and they're like, damn. He said it's super arrogant to not do things that you don't want to do, which is interesting. He's such a contrarian. That's what I like so much. That's what I admire so much about him. Working part-time and not putting an frequent hits energy and dedication into a work week is ridiculous to him he probably will hit a billion dollars in real estate by the years by the time the year's over and he's finally telling himself now you know i could be the successful ceo almost he's, he's he was in five or so sales jobs before starting his first company he hated all of them and he he embraced what he hated but he was also like dude this is some bullshit no one taught him communication report honesty they ask you a question and you hit them with a question as the answer it's like, what the fuck? The blueprint to him is outdated. That's why it's so few salespeople have crazy turnover. And like, it's it's terrible when America, he had to change words like pressure, persistence in his book, Seller Be Sold, because there were actual laws that he had to abide by when writing it. He had to cut those words out and replace them with other ones. When he fully like commits, it's like people bring you something. The package may come wrapped in a person or definition or direction or voice you weren't thinking about. You got to keep an open mind at the same time and be knowledgeable. So he saw this video, someone showed him, he was like, oh my gosh, you could sell things, there's a way. <laughs> he, he called the number, the 1-800 number, he was like, what else do you guys got? And then from there, he worked and learned and, like, and deleted things from the process that he didn't like. If you're gonna negotiate your own deal, you need to know how to sell. Money increases your sensitivity to lack of self-aware, of, of awareness. And the, he, the very inter agreeable interview, by the way. For him, it was cold calling, meeting up, information, how to create and keep interest in a cycle. He learned 
learned it all in a very in very tight line, timelines. He was he was learning about the time then of pressure and the tight deadlines. And someone some guy said that he's harder he's a harder worker than Grant. Grant's like, bro, that's dumb. <laughs> who's, who's generating more revenue? Who's getting more done? Who's who's monetizing faster? Who puts branches, pecans, and leaves in the bag fastest without making the biggest mess? He doesn't want to grind. That's why the words grind and hustle to me are just like I hear them and I'm like, fuck you, whatever. I don't care. He said, and I feel the exact same way. He doesn't want to grind. He wants to create a machine that just creates money so he can make it all and give it all away and spend it all and invest it all and make more. He said everyone is poor if they're living below their potential. Middle class to him is poor. And he's not saying that's because he's rich. He's saying you can tell just by listening to his accent that he was there once when he was younger. I have kids. I'm a drug addict. I'm not going backwards. I'm not doing that. I'm not driving to that meeting. I'm not using Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and Snapchat. I'm just selfish. This is people who are poor. Those are those excuses. He's like, I don't have time for Facebook. But when he thought something when he thought something was stupid, he just didn't understand it. He played in the space a little while and jumped into Twitter when that happened. So for 2008 for him was a game changer. I think it was like that for everybody. Not everybody, but people who saw opportunity in it. Almost every was taken away from him and he had to rethink everything the first and second businesses are like two feet running together this is a great perspective i think his first two businesses were like two feet running together the third one is one that runs on its own it's like a dick or something <laughs> i don't know <laughs> this, is, this for him was real estate he always liked it real property resonates with people and most people just buy the wrong real estate buying a home isn't meant for people homes are built for banks not the people the banks created the product to sell the money People, be everyone should have a proper education. Apparently, even if they don't have enough money for it. <laughs> so having having a house, then there was this thing they called the American dream, I guess. And now it's only more true. It's only more bullshit. And he said he goes broke twice a year because having cash in the bank today is selfish, which is interesting. When he wanted that money, when he started to start, when he wanted to start that business, he told his mom, she's like, "Oh, you don't, you don't want that. You're gonna have people calling you at midnight." He's like, "I'd love for someone to call me at midnight." Because if they're calling you, they're renting from you. They're giving you their money. He wants people to know about him. He wants people to hate him. At least he's in the game. Most people aren't even in the fucking stadium for reasons, by the way, that have nothing to do with money. Real estate is indestructible. So the money he generates with that, he gets to a certain point every year and he invests it in something else. And cash is garbage. It's not king. You gotta get rid of the money and go back into the marketplace and say, okay, who has more of this money? Because he's going broke every six months. Now he has the confidence to go and do it no matter what because going broke and getting back up is a habit that's fucking brilliant i mean when i bought my studio that's what i did in a 24-hour period, he was going from place to place seeing five customers, literally five in a 24-hour period, because he because he bought this jet and learned how to fly. First class and all that bullshit to him was bullshit because it took too long. One to three K for a seat wasn't as valuable as a six million dollar private jet. He wanted to go, and not for the sake of showing off. He wanted to go wide and meet people. He didn't want to be an Instagram guy like I am at the moment, who doesn't meet people. He wants to know everyone. He wants his kids to be friends with all the kids in their school. This means he's valuable to society because everyone at, at that point you know, back then doubted him, even him. The guy at the treatment center was like, man, you'll never be satisfied. Grant was like, how that's, how's that bad? Guys like Elon Musk are thinking about 7,000 things at once. Guys at the top, they're fucking geniuses. That's not wrong. That's a gift. That's sheer brilliance. He's spiritual being, he's a spiritual being to himself. He saw his dad when he was younger, just working in the yard and he saw an artist. He didn't see his dad. He thinks, you know, these God create, God created all these things, mountains, winds, seas, shores, lands. 
skies, suns, planets, and then he took a day off. Grant doesn't want that. He just thinks about create, 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 no matter what, all the time. He doesn't try to connect with the power. He tries to be the power. It seems like he's not exactly able to articulate what he wants here. But anyway, Van Gogh at some point was making two paintings a day. He was just spraying shit around all the time. It was tons and tons of very high frequency shit. I make one of these a week. It takes five to six hours. I make one beat a week. It takes five to nine hours. I've been figuring out through speed and thought how to compress them. I timed my last beat. It took me four hours because I prepared. I came up with a melody the night before. When I come up with the first instrument and the melody, the BPM is set fucking game over because the algorithms in my brain can predict what's next and as the process repeats I run into points where I switch something up and something cool happens constantly. He said the next five years he's going global. He's on this cusp of something big, something great. That's how I feel a lot now, especially nowadays. The way people think and operate, maybe it's better for some people to work for someone else. I listen now to my favorite book of all time, Think and Grow Rich, once a month on the first day of every month. I'm listening to it at the very moment. And there's a section where Napoleon Hill, the writer, talks about what the ideal follower and the ideal leader each do and what they don't do <laughs> and, the, and where the future of the two is heading. The book was written last century. He was not wrong. He said if you can't scale, you shouldn't be in a business. He wants to scale the love, his family. He wants hundreds of millions of people to invest in him. He said he wants to challenge the way Wall Street steals from people in the next five years. After he cleaned up, he was like, I'm not going to have anything to say to myself and others till I'm like 50. Playing the life coach shit, by the way, is totally dangerous to him. He thinks most people know, don't know what they're talking about. I kind of feel the same way. He looks for what doesn't work before, that, what, before what works. And there are negative mentors in his mind, too. He looks for those first. If someone has time... They they can't mentor you. If you say something when you're 20 and the same thing when you're 50, you're not changing or learning anything. <laughs> it's just the same quotes here and there and everything looks the same. It's all boring. It's a big trash dump of conscious data and people are like, what the fuck? People think I love social media. It's actually the contrary because when I look at it, that's what I see a lot of the time. Aside from people just connecting with each other across the world, which is a blessing, I see unoriginality, lame humor, boredom, distractions, self-doubt, lack of transparency, and a big-ass dump pile of garbage shit. And I'm like, this shit looks like total shit. So I tell myself, hey, let's cut through this and make a positive change. Let's get rid of the fucking littering and, and negative frequency let's rechannel and refocus that negativity because if we don't we're all gonna die so until then I'm focused on distribution and the content that I distribute is focused on exactly that there's only so much a parent can do, by the way. A kid's going to do what they're going to do in the end. He's scared of not doing as much as he wants. Now he's thinking of how much he can leave so people can study his material when he's gone. This is the most intense part of the interview. The guy's like, if you could call that 20-year-old Grant, what would you tell him? Grant was like, that kid can't hear anything. He won't pick up. He's like, if he could hear anything, I would tell him I'm so fucking disappointed in you. These are things I would tell myself throughout high school. I would just scream, wake up! Like, you, like go use more drugs. You want to die? Why are you taking so long. That's what he would say. Smoking weed is a problem in a competitive field like his. It's uh, in, un in un his profession. I can understand this, but I low key, I low key feel the same way about mine with music. I think it's a problem. I don't like wasting time discussing it because I know what other what the other side is like. But artist and producer will though they will refuse at all costs to agree with this, and I can understand that they're doing their thing. I can I mean no matter what, it can 
wouldn't be a problem if you let it become one because in the time it takes you to roll uh, to pack or roll it up and smoke it I already uploaded this to all my social media I already followed up with 20 artists on Twitter I already caught up with the entire self-growth feed on Instagram from three hours ago I already checked and replied to all my Facebook notifications I already started the song you'll get smoked yourself if it doesn't if it makes you more creative smoking or not what you're missing at all is at all times is the sheer commitment and persistence you could have both you could try but <laughs> when you commit creativity follows you just rain creativity and again producers and artists get so anal about this when someone says weed is a problem if you're smoking it they don't consider the viewpoints if they do they'll still disagree maybe i just think different about it maybe i i just like i don't know i just do what they both do i respect them regardless Video number three is the Diplo full Q&A at Oxford Union. I don't know why he's at Oxford doing this, but shit, man. Diplo is on a roll. He has a futuristic sound like no one else does to his production that, that like, no, no one else is touching that. And he doesn't stop delivering and evolving. It's kind of evident. He had a friend when he was living between Florida and Philly. His friend went to India with him, and he was just selling vinyl copies. That was his main source of income. He traveled around. The highways are super dangerous. There was crazy construction everywhere. He almost died in a river and then just decided to go to, go to England. He very quickly sold the rest of his records. He wasn't even a producer then. He was just listening to all different genres he could, and he was looking for all the music and travel, travel that he could get. In Florida, he was scared he would stay there forever. That's why he moved to Philly. He had a rent of like 200 bucks and barely had any money to eat. He was never really, he never really felt like he was going to make a living on music. If you wanted to do a big job like that, it's almost like you had to sacrifice everything. Nowadays, you kind of do. <laughs> I think back then you did too, but he just didn't want to say it. I don't know. Philly was great for him because he bought out a studio and that became his record label. Lots of different artists would come through. He said that he's always found two sides of music, the business and the creative side. I just made an insight about this. To find and get what you want out of artists as a producer, you need to be able to learn from them and shit. Big stars, if he doesn't feel as a good vibe from them or whatever, he doesn't really want to do something with them. Now, you have to be careful about all this different shit, but what's great about being a young artist is uh, what's great about them in general is how fearless we are. Now, the top people on Spotify are really just like between 15 and 20 years old. The most fearless. We, we, they didn't go for some particular sound hip-hop wants to kind of just guard. They just went for the straight market through their own scopes. He said, it's really hard to find dope DJ in general. He said, behind the scenes, there are more women than people think. Uh, like, you know, they have a female engineer in his label who's totally on top of her shit, but it's probably a lack of auto-suggestion or exposure. Like, there's no female president. It's There's not as much of, there's not as much of, oh, like, I want to be like that. But hey, think of Cruella. They're on fire. Shit. His first show, he was 17. He never DJed, and he had a he had a random selection of shit, and he was at a pool party, and they turned all of it off, and the guy never returned his calls after that. But he was like, whatever, let's keep it going. To him, it was just a learning experience. <laughs> I found this interesting about EDM. He said it's been the same place in the same place for four to five years, which is around the time I stopped paying a lot of attention to it. At clubs and shit where music is perfectly mixed and the lights are all set up, you can't replace that with just rap or pop when that's set up the way it is. But there are all these collaborations, and I think that's a great way to hack your way into it. If you've heard my music, you know I agree with this. Then he started highlighting the importance of time management. Like I fucking say all the time. He said, if you don't know what to do, just do something. Always keep your mind active. He said on the way there, he on the way to the QA, he was writing emails and listening to demos. Sometimes you just want to do nothing, but you can't. But just doing a day job, he was like, and when am I ever gonna escape this shit and just do what I love? In LA, and like he can treat it like a job now. In LA, he thinks everyone's just doing the same shit, wearing the same shit, sounding the same. Now he has an ear for craziness, doing different things. A lot of his 
open-mindedness to new genres reminds me of my own because I never hear someone does this genre and I'm like and think oh I'm not into that style I'm always like oh you do progressive side trance you do liquid drum and bass you do psychedelic chamber pop you do drone metal let me hear some people don't know I know about this stuff but I just never talk about it because it's not at the forefront of my mind and he always felt like he could control his destiny he was always trying to find out how to develop and grow Kanye which I also literally just made an insight about you can't fuck like it's it's completely unavoidable as a musician or producer you like to grow in just literally any profession it is impossible to avoid self-development entirely impossible that's why I'm so obsessed with it because everyone needs it like if, if everybody were into self-improvement I swear the world would be a better, a better place like 100% 110% he yeah so he Kanye said apparently that you will always have a responsibility to grow as a creator if you don't move at 100 miles an hour you're fucked because music is moving very fast you listen to everything all the time sometimes it just sounds like fucking fuzz white noise but sometimes he finds a fresh sound and he's like damn okay something that gives you goosebumps and that doesn't happen often but honestly i don't know i hear music skipping from song to song more quickly than ever and i think i think i find one that one song that just as often as i used to the listening process the rapid cognition the snap judgments those are just more frequent because i've heard just so much my lyrical inspiration comes from audiobooks i don't really listen to music anymore i just create it i heard evan carmichael say in one of his videos that the greatest creator can create the best thing with the smallest amount of inspiration at the snap of a finger. Like one drop of water into the pond, to me, would become an atom bomb to most people. That's how I try to look at my creativity, even if it's not there, because I envision it, and I get closer and closer the more I make and reflect.